Hello and welcome to Calling All Useful Idiots. Uh, we're starting a little bit early today, so uh, that means that maybe Aaron and I will will, will chat. Uh, and then at 11, we'll probably get way more people, like so many people won't even be funny. But I uh, hope everyone had a good Mother's Day, had a good weekend. Um, yeah, make sure that you subscribe, uh, rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast, a special especially Apple podcasts. Um, also do subscribe to us at usefulidiots.substack.com or usefulidiots.locals.com. So you get extended interviews. We have a great interview with Ray McGovern, uh, from this week and extended interview. Also, you get our Thursday throwdown, uh, which is great. I really hope, I hope my Twitter isn't hacked because I just tried to share this, uh, on Twitter and it's asking me to log in. Oh, sorry. I need some more coffee. Um, but yeah, we just did our, um, we just did our, uh, Monday morning, which is where we ruin our Sundays to brighten your Mondays, where we react to the, uh, Sunday morning news shows that we watch so that you don't have to. So yeah, we're going to, uh, get started soon. Just waiting for Aaron to enter, enter the, the room and what else, uh, Let's see. Oh, tune in tomorrow to the Katie Halper show, youtube.com slash the Katie Halper show. I'm having a JFK debate between Michael Tracy and Aaron Good. So that should be good. No pun intended, or maybe pun intended. It's up to you. Um, and who else am I having on soon? Uh, I have some really exciting guests lined up. Let's see. Uh, Oh, Ajamu Baraka, who, of course, uh, is the national organizer for Black Alliance for Peace. But he's also uh, was Jill Stein's running mate. So you can find all that and more at YouTube.com slash The Katie Halper Show. And, of course, uh, subscribe there and subscribe to YouTube.com slash Useful Idiots. Rate and review us. And uh, all right. I think uh, we're ready to take our callers. Did I, did I, I, I did mean uh, JFK. Sorry, did I say an RFK debate? I meant a JFK debate. Although it's somewhat based on what RFK said, so I guess it's both. Lisa. All righty. Uh, hi, Charles. Hi, can you hear me? Uh, barely. You're pretty low. Wait, let me see. Oh, yeah. I think it was my volume. Speak again. Hi. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Regarding, uh, somewhat regarding RFK, um, not JFK, RFK. Uh, like a lot of people, rightfully so, are concerned that the uh, Democratic Party isn't going to hold debates because. Joe Biden's the incumbent. But my question is, or my, is basically the ho- debate, the debates are hosted now by mainstream media and the mainstream media doesn't ask substantive questions. Like, like for example, in 2019, they asked Bernie, why do you think a woman can't be president? And then they asked Elizabeth Warren, why did Bernie say it? Like all this gossipy, stupid right. crap. They don't totally, ask questions yeah. about like healthcare, the environment, the economy, military industrial complex. So the debates are useless anyway, like whereas back in the day, the debates were hosted by the League of Women's Voters, whereas now they're corporate captured. So the debates don't really add any value. I guess maybe it gives them exposure. But the questions, they don't ask the questions that people care about. They ask gossipy, gotcha type questions. So that's yeah, I think, he, well, I think I agree with you to a certain extent, but I also think people can pivot when asked questions. Oh, I see. Like they could answer, like if they ask them a stupid question, they could answer, but so they could talk about healthcare or like the military right. industrial complex or getting out yeah. of Ukraine or stuff like that. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of that too. That's a good point. I yeah. hope they do that though. Well, Bernie yeah, didn't do that, but no, not enough. Certainly not enough. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks, Charles. Good, insightful point. Okay, Mark. Unmute yourself by hitting the mic icon, Mark. Give yourself the power of speech. And the mic icon is at the bottom of your screen. Mark, we really want to hear from you. All right, Mark, we're going to go to Joshua, but join, rejoin the queue, um, and we'll bring you back in. Okay. Hi, Joshua. What, Amanda dropped out? That's great. Nice work, Amanda. Um, so... Anyway, I wanted to uh, bring up something substantive that's going on today, which is, I believe, there's a city council meeting uh, regarding Cop City. Um, so, and I've just been thinking about apartheid lately in Israel and how they train Israeli cops there. And there's so much cross collaboration. And then I was thinking about how defund the police didn't work. So, I mean, I guess that maybe is the next flashpoint we need to focus on in regards to. Mm, well, not demilitarizing the police is what it comes down to, but yes. Um, and then uh, I watched part of your guys' show. And Aaron, how much time do I have just so I know when to cut myself off? Well, I got time still good. Uh, you, have, right. you know, you have you have the time until you, until you get cut off. That's how much time you have. Oh, that sounds very abusive. I'm going to talk to your dad about you. Anyway, um, well, that's what you get for I just will, asking Aaron and not Aaron and Katie. But anyway, oh, I, well, I, that was uh, gender biased. I'm sorry, Katie. Uh, I want okay. equal representation before the law. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, I looked up the 14th Amendment today and I thought about how it doesn't really apply to presidents and politicians and oligarchs. Um, I actually have court today, by the way. Um, anyway, and then I looked at some of the cases for the 14th Amendment, um, and it was Brown versus Board of Education, Bush versus Gore, and Roe v. Wade, amazingly enough. Um, and then I was like, well, what came before the 14th Amendment? Oh, the 13th Amendment. Oh, and that's when slavery was abolished, right? No, not really in capitalism. Um, it's kind of like uh, when... Uh, the war on the poor started under LBJ, and then when uh, racism was over uh, after we got uh, Obama. The, those are not real things. Right. But uh, per perpetual wars and lies seem to be kind of just them being disingenuous. That's just, isn't that what it is to be a politician? Like you can just talk out of both sides of your mouth and lie, and people that are, you know, essentially the mainstream media just let you go on and on. Um, and, uh, I, you know, yesterday was mother's day and I was thinking about the border and the title 42 and how many people are backing up the border. And then how much of that is blowback from our own policies and how many mothers and children are associated with that. And then I'm thinking about the, the, the plaque at the bottom of the, uh, statue of Liberty. Right. And I'm like, this is, is this really who we are? Um, and uh, at this point, it seems like this is who we really are. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, one of the things that was interesting in, I'm not sure who said this, whatever talking head it was, that was talking about, you know, needing to continue to do perpetual wars. Oh, and also the debt ceiling needing to be something that we really leverage against the poor and the working class and the older and the disenfranchised was we must protect investors. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? It's always the thing, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, I don't know where that led for 1933 or 1936 or 1939 Germany, but it right. seems like it didn't go well. Uh, right. Um, right. Anyway, that is my spiel for the day. Again, uh, Cop City, uh, a focal point, um, along with the other focal points that seem to change every day, um, like the border and climate and blowback. So thanks for the time today, guys. Take care. Thank you. And just to clarify, of course, you were quoting the poem by Emma Lazarus. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched uh, refuse of your teeming shore. Send these the homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. And just to fill out what you, you mentioned, the 14th Amendment, and that's in the political discourse right now. Because that states uh, the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debt incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services and suppressing insurrection or rebellions shall not be questioned. So some Democrats are pushing Biden to use the 14th Amendment uh, uh, on the debt ceiling. And of course he won't because he doesn't ever like to do anything uh, big. Uh, he likes to work through a compromise. And of course that's probably because uh, that doesn't work. Okay. Let's see. Next caller. Let me get to that. Uh, Vicky. Vicky, unmute yourself. Hi, Katie. Hi, Aaron. I'm so happy to hear your voices. Thanks. Uh, that was a great show, and I agree with the caller before. And Katie, thanks for filling out the details, because I could not remember the 14th Amendment. But what I wanted to bring up is something from that you've done earlier last week, in fact, about the JFK assassination. And I was alive during that time. I was in elementary school, and I just wondered if you wanted to hear my impression of that day. Sure. Because uh, I, I just remember the silence except then there was walking quietly in the hallways and then all we could hear was the weeping of the teachers mm. and jfk was actually a great hope for uh, people and i grew up in a i was in this very small elementary school in a very poor county in iowa um so there was some discussion about having a catholic that was still an or an I problem for a lot of people having a Catholic because maybe the Pope would actually be running the USA. But the des de de devastation when he was assassinated was very deep, uh, and the and I noticed that um, the seat over the years there's been discussion about how or why or who, which of course no one's been held accountable. And the CIA agents who were around his car did the best they could. I think there were maybe six or seven, but there was nobody 
in front of the car and uh it was in Dallas, Texas. I think that the there was a lot of uh people working together to make sure a president of the United States could be assassinated. And then one after the other came the other assassinations of our hope, you know, RFK Jr. RFK and now I guess RFK Jr. I have great positive feelings for him. Uh, then Martin Luther King, Emmett Till, I, I mean, just on and on. And yet, uh, many people in the United States think, ah, oh, we don't have assassinations. Those are only in other countries where supposedly bad people do them. Well, we people in the USA, uh, pay for it. Uh, I, I, that was a really meaningful period of my life and I became an activist then. That is for sure. Uh, and I did move out of the United States when they put uh, that really creepy shrub in, what's his name? Bush Jr. That was too much. And I forced my husband, who happens to be Greek, thank God, I had another country naturally very easily to move to with our two daughters. And uh, I'm very concerned. I think we need to remember that assassinations do happen in the USA, and they're quieter now. They well, don't make at, the news. Um, Fred Hampton Jr. I mean, sorry, not Jr., Fred Hampton. I don't know Fred Hampton. My God. Yeah. He was just a kid doing good things. Yeah. So I wanted to share that with you all. One of you, I'm, you're one of my favorites, two of my favorites. Aaron, I followed him for a long time and try to give him my support. <laughs> and uh, Katie, you're just great. So Thank thanks you. for having me on. Yeah, Vicki, you have impeccable taste. That's what I can say about you. Yes, that is true. Thank Thanks you. Bye-bye. Thank you Bye. so much. Bye-bye. Hey, Cade. Hi, Cade. Hi, sorry. It's, there's like an extra thing to click through today for the microphone. Um, but... I just wanted to say thanks as always to both of you for watching the Sunday show so we don't have to. Um, that one quote, I, I imagine I would have been rather angry if I were watching the Sunday show with the guy who said, you know, we should only have two choices and it should be Trump and Biden. And that's what an election is or election process is supposed to be. Um, that we, we only ever get two choices. Um, because I think, you know, obviously we should be able to vote for a third party. And I, I really hope that, you know, when the, when the primary is rigged and you know they're if they don't allow debates which i don't think the dnc will i really hope that marianne or rfk jr both of them will um will drop out and run third party in protest um yeah. so uh i i as always i'm grateful to both of you for for listening to the awful mainstream media on sundays Thank for you. us thanks a lot yeah, that was all. Hi. Okay, thank you. All righty, let's go to Lee. Hi, Lee. Unmute yourself, please. Okay, there uh, you were unmuted. Oh, my goodness. Again. Excuse okay. me. Hey, thank you all for everything all the time. And please hang in there. 
Yeah. Uh oh, something's on in the background. I'm sorry. Doggone it. I don't uh, know. I can hear it. So I think can you're... you hear it. In fact, it's your voice in the background. Uh oh, it's happening. Okay. All right. So real quick, I'm sorry about the confusion. Um, one, I'm you know worried because Matt is getting as much pushback as they can muster and you know there's so few of you with the courage to do what you do you know i i'm curious if you could explain so that as i'm racing around i can respond well in a in as much of a sound bite as possible what happened to um naomi klein or or um you know democracy now or you know some of these uh, tulsi gabbard I mean, can you explain <laughs> in a way that I could, you know, to the people who have influence but still are just really committed to the MSNBC narrative? You know, if they're a little open, I'd like to be able to give them food for thought so that, you know, so that they don't just completely reject the ideas just because some of the people ended up being swayed, you know, toward following the money, I guess. So your question is what happened to people who used to hold <laughs> certain views that, that, and you think that they don't hold them anymore that they, well, sort of for example, um, what do you think you used to work with Naomi Klein? I remember talking with her when she was in Portland and she, you know, back in the day when she, I was so excited that somebody was trying to do really good research. I think you were part of it at times and, you know, speak truth to power and do have a real voice. I mean, be, you know, not combative. She was, and it seems like she's maybe not, I mean, what do you feel like she's still able to be true? It doesn't seem like it. You know, I, I'm not going to share my personal opinion uh, of Naomi because I just don't think it it really matters. But um, I'll say genuinely, generally, um, I think we have a really powerful propaganda system. Yes. That um, sways people and influences people uh, in really in ways that are, are really kind of subtle and subconscious. And uh, yes. no, one, no one makes a conscious decision to, you know, uh, change their trajectory, but it's just we, our media system incentivizes uh, conformity. And um, I mean, look, I haven't been shy about criticizing democracy now, which I think is, um, you know, I, I worked there for 10 years. Yeah. And um, I think when you're a part of a certain media circle and uh, you're friends with people who have cushy jobs, there's sort of this like, uh, incentive system that you don't even think about to just go along and to, you know, respect certain red lines and to not challenge power on certain key issues. And um, the Trump era was really significant in that because, you know, on the surface, you have this like really unpleasant character, Trump, who's the misogynist, he incredibly accused of sexual assault, a bigot, all these things. And then you have, you know, you see people like, I don't know, David Frum, a neocon, coming out against him. And so in that kind of binary, people made a sort of tacit decision to side with David Frum, um, not realizing that uh, actually, you know, Trump and David Frum ultimately are part of the same system 
and that siding with David, people like David Frum on certain issues can ultimately um, enable the very agenda that you think you're opposing. And so, um, you know, yeah, listen, uh, it's, um, it's a strange era where a lot of people I used to work with and be friends with, I, I, you know, it, it's not that way anymore. And uh, I don't know. It's, it, to me, it's just a, it's a reflection of how powerful our propaganda system is. And, um, and uh, yeah, um, I, you know, I was really surprised that during the whole Russiagate era, people couldn't see what a dangerous moment that was, how it was. I mean, not just like encouraging militarism toward Russia, but also like protecting the power and privilege of neoliberals who people on the left have always opposed. Yeah, a lot of people, I think, were, were basically duped into going along with them. And so, um, well, yeah. Aaron, I think, I mean, I, I'm just a, an average person person and i tried to from the very beginning i laughed and i said oh you're kidding nobody's really i mean it was so like you said it's so obvious but my conclusion from that that i still see evidence of is it's not just getting duped it's they really don't want to break rank they really don't want to be on the outs with all the rest of the people who are going along with it it's almost like they know it's propaganda, but they don't want to ever stray from the narrative or they'll be excluded from I, whatever I do think, tribe. I, I do think fear of exclusion from the mainstream because because there are certain leftists who are sort of accepted as as like the official leftists, like by the mainstream. Like these are the leftist voices that have legitimacy and they're allowed to like, you know. Uh, right in the New York Times and the Guardian, things like that, and people don't want to lose that, and right. so that leads them to go along with um, following the money is what's happening. Well, yeah, I mean, or, or following the incentives and the, the and incentives, the, the incentives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, and, uh, it, and, that, and you know, like either you're someone who cares about that, or, or you don't. And um, I find myself in the camp of, of those who don't care about that. But well, yeah. you you're not raising kids yet, and and maybe that helps a little. I hate to say it, but I think that's some of what happens with folks is they are worried about their mortgages and all of that. And and you all are living lean and and standing on principle. And I just am so grateful. Yeah, do you, you think know there's you know what I, I've talked about that before. I do think it's it's true. Like you know uh, that um, if I had you know, a family to raise and a bunch of dependents, and, yeah. and then, then it's possible the, that my decisions would have been different. It's possible, you know, I'm um, not saying they would, but I think that's what happens to a lot I, of people. I do think that happens. I totally, I totally think that's a big factor. Uh, is and, is yeah. an independent run? I mean, is there any way to promote an independent, like the previous caller said? Uh, what do you mean? As a third party, is there any way? Uh, is there any way uh, for the uh, presidential uh, election? Yeah, I, I think it's a great idea, uh, personally. Uh, but that's up to all, uh, everyone who wants to see that happen to get behind that. But sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grassroots. Thank uh, you thank so much. Thanks for the call. Okay. Thank you, Nestor. Oh, I don't have the power to call people in. So, sorry. Let me make you a moderator, but let me also call on Nestor. Immediately. Come on. Okay. Hi, Nestor. Hello. 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 Can you hear me? Hi. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hey, that's awesome. I'm actually in Thailand right now. Wow. Yeah. Lucky you. I, I, yeah, well, I mean, uh, the way things are going, I, I definitely wanted to, you know, go on before anything uh, gets worse, uh, which is kind of, Kind of, kind of the tone and 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 the way it's looking like. Uh, I mean, just right now uh, here in Thailand, they had like a huge election, and the NGO, uh, that what's that? The NED, National Development for Democracy. Yeah, those guys, they uh, their back party actually won. Uh, so, and I've been talking to like Thais, but like I don't know any Thai, but the ones who you know speak a little English, uh, from what. I can tell the propaganda machine is really uh, next level, man, because they they actually convinced a lot of people that they were uh, under a coup government and, you know, that somehow was bad for them. And uh, and there's like a lot of misinformation, like some some were saying, like, you know, they don't like I asked, like, do you want like foreigners to start owning Thai land? Because right now. Uh, Thailand is protected, like only Thai citizens can own a property in their country. So, so, and a lot of them say, no, they don't want that. But I, you know, I would say like, you know, you do know that the people that are, are, are running against the so-called coup government, they do want to open up Thailand to uh, foreign investment in that way where they are, uh, they will allow foreigners to actually own land and property here, which would make, uh, at least from what I see, like Thai, Thai people are very hard workers. And a lot of that is because, you know, the income is, is very low and there's like huge disparity between like really rich uh, Thai people and really like just hardworking everyday people. And, and like, if they open up the like foreigners to just invest and buy property, that would just make it even worse than it already is. So, I mean, I, I always, wherever I go, I always, you know, try to kind of like know what's going on. And before I actually booked the flight, I didn't know that Thai elections were happening when I got here. So I was like, oh, wow. So I don't even know, like, I just saw a really cheap ticket. Uh, I got a good deal on the ticket. So I was like, oh, let me book this. And uh, it, I come to find out it's probably because uh, some interesting things were happening here. Um, wow. So aside from movie, this, my vacation is going straight. <laughs> is it beautiful? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's awesome. I just came from Pattaya. Uh, I'm in Bangkok right now. Uh, I must stay here like for two weeks and I'm hoping to go to Phuket. Uh, I'm still trying to kind of figure out how I want to get over there either by bus or plane because the plane ticket is a little too expensive right now. But also what I noticed when I got here, like the exchange rate for U.S. currency was like going down, down. And now that the election is over, it's going up. So that's, that's really funny. Have so, you not been to the beaches yet? Yeah, well, I mean, because I'm by myself, it's kind of tough to, uh, you know, go go for a swim. You still got to, especially when you're traveling alone, you, you have to, you know, not necessarily be on guard because I feel like it's pretty safe here. Like, compared to uh, my home country, Salvador, uh, right. <laughs> it's definitely a lot safer here. 
or even yeah. DC, you know, compared to like Southeast DC, uh, you're definitely uh, not not in that kind of environment. But uh, I think mostly because a lot of Thai people are just honest workers. Uh, they, they like to earn, you know, their, their way. But I mean, there is crime, you know, obviously anywhere in the world, there's always uh, crime, but compared right. to us and any other western part you know it's, it's, it's significantly lower um, you gotta, you find, gotta, buddy. Go you ahead, gotta find a buddy no you gotta find a buddy system where someone can watch your stuff while you swim uh no i think the last people you want to trust is another tourist <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah well no tourist but anywhere yeah, yeah, that, that, you don't know. I mean, it's really easy to uh, overspend. I mean, I definitely, like, overspend when I got here. Uh, but right now, I'm just taking it a little bit more easy. Um, I'm definitely going to explore the heck out of the city. I mean, it's freaking huge. Uh, definitely, I think it looks a lot better than New York because uh, New York just has a lot of high risers, but they all look, uh, very similar. They they're like literally clones of each other. But here, like you see so many high rises, it's just like all have different designs. It's really cool. Like every almost every high rise has its own unique design, so it makes the the scenery look like freaking awesome. Nice. All right. Well, keep on enjoying it. Yeah, th thanks. Uh, I mean, on that note, I hope, you know, uh, at least everyone takes a little break, you know, get get something uh, to, to let out the, uh, what to call the, uh, uh, you know, try to have a little bit of fun. Because uh, definitely need to have fun because it's going to be hard times ahead for sure. Yeah. Thanks, Nestor. Nestor. Okay. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Aaron. Okay, Brady. Hey, Brady. What's up, Katie? I'm wondering if you happen to remember Andrew Meyer, the don't tase me bro, trying to like troll you in one of your rooms a while back. No. Like, he was doing I... it. The don't tase me bro, the guy that harassed John Kerry um, for being a member of the Skull and Bones, uh, turned I... into a right-wing maniac oh. um, and a Donald worshiper. And total misogynist. Wow. And he was just being an absolute troll. So I challenged him to a debate. I got to meet him. He invited oh, yeah, me to. Are you challenging him yeah, to a debate? So he introduced me to Ali Alexander, who I instantly just started roasting. I don't know if you're familiar with Ali Alexander. This is the guy that worked for Kanye West's presidential campaign. And he's uh, the guy in charge of the Stop the Steal campaign. He invited Marjorie Taylor Greene to one of his chats, got her embroiled in a bunch of nonsense. And, um, He's just been outed. He, he also spent a lot of time, you know, accusing the LGBT community of grooming young children and all this kind of stuff. And he's just been outed as a sexual predator who was trying to, like, solicit nudes from underage boys. And wow. it's blowing up. It's the hot tea. So I posted a link down there. It happened like a month ago. I, I just found out about it yesterday. But it is absolutely it's just so juicy. It's like Jeffrey Epstein all over again. And. This guy was closely, intimately connected with Donald Trump, you know, promoting all that stuff. He was a huge thought leader in alt-right circles. And uh, I spent a lot of time roasting him before I even realized who he was. And then I realized who he was. I was like, oh, my God, it's this guy? And then, uh, yeah, it's just been like the craziest trip 
to see this all unfold. And uh, no one's really talking about it. It's not, much, but I think it's juicy. <laughs> well, let's so, yeah, karma has come back full circle for these guys, and I've. You know, I'm happy to report that uh, your choice force the toke. I'll pass the joint. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, Jake. Uh, hi, Jake. Jake, unmute yourself. Jake. Unmute yourself by hitting the mic icon. Okay. Okay, got you. Gotcha. Okay, great. Uh, it's great to talk to you guys. Big fan. Um, what I wanted to go over, since Aaron went through this, and maybe you did too, Katie, but back in the day of the Iraq War, the horrible atrocities and how the media just basically went along with uh, with the narrative, same like what they're doing now, and even probably worse now. But I remember how horrible it was, the burnt uh, Halliburton contractors' corpse hanging in Fallujah and that, that whole dark chapter. You had a left, and I was part of that. I don't know if, if you guys were, but I yes. remember there were, there were answer was putting on massive anti-war demonstrations. I would like to get your guys' opinion about, do you think that what's going on in Ukraine is similar, but yet there's no anti-war movement? Why is it okay, do you think, and no resistance from the left when a, Repu when a Democrat does it? And also, do you think that what Biden is doing in Ukraine compares to what Bush and Cheney did in Iraq? And that's basically my question for the day. Uh I think what Bush and Cheney did was worse. I mean, they invaded a sovereign country and killed, directly killed hundreds of thousands of people and, you know, really uh, did something that will forever change the Middle East in a really horrible way and, uh, you know, helped spread um, militancy around the world. I mean, just, uh, it's unspeakable, the Iraq war is a crime. But I, I, you know, I do think the fueling the Ukraine war is pretty reckless because the U.S., you know, uh, could have avoided it, I think, through right. diplomacy. If they had supported um, the Minsk peace process inside Ukraine and also listened to Russia's security concerns, such as the expansion of NATO and the placement of offensive missiles around around Russia. So I certainly think what Biden's done is reckless. I don't think it, you know, morally, I think Bush directly invading a country is, is worse. And in terms of what happened to the anti-war movement, you know, we've talked about it a lot. Obama killed it because Obama made everyone pretend as if everything was taken care of. And he pat he basically told the anti-war movement to go home. And things have changed. I mean, now the U.S. doesn't invade countries. It's just, you know, the new method is proxy wars, like getting someone else to do the bleeding for us and sanctions. And so with people not coming home in, in body bags, it's harder to mobilize right. uh, protests against that. And then you have also Russiagate, which sort of like made being a liberal, being on the left, it made that being synonymous with like worshiping the CIA and the FBI. And so that means also accepting all of their imperatives, including fueling a Cold War with Russia, which, which became like the cool thing to do if you're a liberal. So I think those are one of many factors that 
have contributed to a decline in, in the anti-war movement. Do you think that the left will be ever be able to um, um, cure Trump derangement system or syndrome? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like Orange Boogeyman, just do whatever we say because Orange yeah. Boogeyman is going to get you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a problem. I think it's a problem. But uh, the, uh, Shows like I, yours help me to cure my Trump well, derangement hey. syndrome. Hey. Yeah, um, I, I think it's a real issue, and a lot of people are captured by it. And, um, you know, I don't see a point in making predictions, but I just think uh, I believe anything is possible. I really do. Th- thank you, guys. Thanks. Thank you. And it's something that you've pointed out a lot, Aaron, is that it's not that people shouldn't be critical of Trump or organizing against him, but with Russiagate, it, like, planted the real crimes of Like, the focus became things... The focus on Russiagate undermined the focus on, you know, fighting against his deportations or his closing the border or his Muslim ban. Yeah, or, I mean, you know, uh, like, uh, again, like, like, like the thing I say all the time is that there were, this is true, there were bigger liberal protests to protect the Mueller investigation than there were to oppose Trump's tax cuts, you know, which of right. course favored the wealthy uh, or his cuts to um, health care, you know. Uh, so, uh, in, in the Trump era, in the name of fighting a right-wing fascist, the liberals totally moved even more over to the right. It's 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 a very strange phenomenon. Okay, now we got. Uh, oops, sorry, one second. Uh, okay, we just heard from Jake. Now moving to Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Unmute yourself. Hey, Katie. Hey, Aaron. How are you two doing? Hey. Have- oh, I'm good. Can you hear me still? I heard everything just cut out for me. No. can hear. We can hear you. Okay, cool. Um, I was going to just say a um, couple of things. One, just in response to the last discussion about, like, can we cure Trump derangement syndrome on the left? Um I guess my my quick two cents suggestion would be to um, just work with new people who don't consider themselves left, who don't vote, uh, generally don't vote Democrat or Republican at all. Um, I think we could probably get a lot more done with them. Um, you know, people who consider themselves socialists or communists or whatever lefty formulation you prefer. Um, if you're really serious about doing stuff, you're probably better off working with people who don't consider themselves political at all. And then I think that, um, you know, real momentum will probably bring over a lot of the people who are mired down in like sort of pointless um, debates or still defending Obama or whatever else has got them tripped up. Wait, sorry, you're uh, saying we should work with socialists and communists or those uh, people who we shouldn't work with? Um, I'm not saying we should or should not work with those people, but I'm just saying that if, like, if, for instance, a giant proportion of the people in the United States who would say that they are communists or socialists, if they're spending most of their time on Twitter um, arguing right. about whatever um, or, you know, supporting, you know, there's there's a... There's self-described socialists and communists who think that um, if you don't support NATO versus Russia, then you can't be 
right. a lefty. I'm like, just don't waste your time with any of that. Go and work with people who are just regular ass people who don't ha- who don't get so worked up as we do about what are what exactly. D- tell me exactly the all the ingredients of your politics. Right. That's my point. I think yeah. I think a lot of the people who are kind of stuck right now in sort of pointless debates will probably come around if they see like real progress going on and they actually want to be a part of it. Right. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of untapped potential with people who do, who are don't politically identify themselves or don't yeah. vote free cycle, yeah. Yeah, um I, I also had a selfish request. I I was um reading Matt's recent article that he co-wrote on the 50 uh the top 50 censorship industrial complex think tanks etc um and we talked a little bit on his call-in show the other day about the potential of FOIA or um you know just trying to actually get FOIA documents that are not all censored and that would probably require lawsuits and I wondered if you two would send him something for me there was um in 2015, the UW, University of Washington um, Center for Human Rights, they had to sue the CIA to get uh, FOIA documents uncensored about CIA backing of military and paramilitary death squads in El Salvador in the 80s. And they actually won. And then shortly after they won, the CIA broke into the offices and stole the hard drive of the director of the center, which had all of the raw like interviews with everybody in El Salvador who helped them. Um, so it was a pretty wow. scary situation, but they did end up winning the, um, the lawsuit and got all this stuff uncensored. And the woman's name, who was the director, her name's Angelina Godoy. Um, and she's very friendly and, pretty easy to contact so i wondered could i send you guys her contact info and maybe like an article about that and you could forward it to matt on um i guess here okay yeah i'll I'll dm it i'm following you oh yeah it's you it's you andrew yeah it's me yeah yeah okay i'll I'll send it to you guys thank you and yeah thanks again for uh doing great reporting and commentary to both of you as always thanks okay ow Hello? Hello? Hi, we can hear you. Hi. Um, so I was listening, I started listening to uh, Monday morning and at 11, so I wasn't on the call in at first, but uh, then, Katie, you said something that made me say, oh my God, I have to call in. Oh, what was that? So I switched over. <laughs> um, so about the change in the law, what, in New York, I think? Yeah, and California. That allowed her to sue. That allowed that opened up a year. Yeah. That it opened up just a year. Just yeah, happened to be that year. Right. Jean Carroll so was sued. Right. So I remember during the Lewinsky stuff, and and it's true, it wasn't for, you know, it was for lying, it wasn't for the actual sexual act, but but a lot of the discussion of uh, 
not just Democrats, but um, but even feminists, I would say, was that uh, that you know he ju- he just shouldn't be brought through the ringer for that. I mean, it was a personal thing, and it's not political, and all of this. Right. And I think that the opening up that law for just a year, that, and that she, I don't even, I didn't follow it either, like what Aaron said, I didn't really follow it, I don't know her You're breaking up a little bit. You're, you're breaking up. Aaron, she's breaking up you. Remember her name but um you know i sorry uh it was breaking up too much so we, we had to move on uh but try calling back, Call in. back try calling back yeah, yeah. Uh, move to some place where you have better reception because we couldn't hear you jonathan go ahead. hi guys uh okay i got up there faster i was just going to talk about propaganda and just say that it's like an onion uh it's got layers you know you might see this stuff on tv about the middle east and they're like oh it's not really about democracy it's really about oil and you pat yourself on the back because you're so smart and you see through the propaganda but it's not really about oil either that's so that you can feel smart you know we had six percent of our oil from arabia you, most of it comes from Canada, Venezuela, places like that. And then you don't see it's about divide and conquer tactics, about dollar hegemony, and things like that. Everyone agrees we're being distracted, but we don't all agree on what we're being distracted from. You know, and I, I usually think it's the things uh, about the Democrats and Republicans have total consensus on. In monetary policy and 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 uh, foreign policy, basically. There's just total consensus on those two things, and everything else is the narcissism of minor differences. And, yeah, I sort of lost track of the second part, but that that's basically it. That's the propaganda machine has got, it's the feeling you get, the righteous feeling of indignation when you feel justified and being angry at the stupid things people say on TV, that feeling... That's the point of the propaganda. They're winning when you feel that. And then it, it's the feeling at night because you feel like you know you're right deep down. But it just doesn't matter that you're right. They're wrong really loudly so that you can feel like you're really very right and you see further than everybody else. It's a sedation machine. It's entertainment for you. Their wrongness is your entertainment. That's, yeah, that's how propaganda works. All right. I slightly disagree with that, which is that there's still an opportunity to educate people. But I hear part of what you're saying. Yeah, to agree to it. Okay, Amanda. Oh, ah, no, I don't know what happened. Uh, Amanda's going to be our last caller. Uh, Aaron, can you bring her in? I'm having an issue with bringing her in. I made you moderator. Okay, here she is. Amanda. Good morning. Sorry, I was in the call queue and I dropped a couple of times because I got some phone calls. Sorry about that. (laughs) But um, I'm very um, curious about something. Um, If I could just take two minutes to kind of talk about what I'm curious, 
how you guys look at it. So people talk about this dirty break thing, like maybe J RFK Jr. or Marianne Williamson will break with the Democratic Party and run as an independent or something like that. And and while that might be one way for them to get elected president, it seems to me one of the ways you stay in Congress is by getting in Congress. And maybe there are some Democrats and Republicans, like I think Kirsten Sinema did this, where she became an independent or she took, went Republican. I can't remember. Independent. Okay. So... So there's there's supposed to, supposedly a caucus of 100 progressives. You don't think that like 30 of those people could all at the same time go independent in in something like organized solidarity with the fact that they all think that the Democratic Party is abusing the democratic processes and that they object to not having debates. Seems to me we could be pressuring some of these especially if they're your representative, to to do that. And once they're in, if they all kind of caucus together into basically a new party, you could start building it that way, and then you still have the power of incumbency to get keep those people in office to continue the work. What do you think about that possibility of building a new party by and signaling to the American populace that it's not just Democratic members that are pissed and leaving the party, that it's also the elected officials who benefit from being a member of the party by getting elected. Once they're in power, they get very uh, comfortable with the benefits and that kind of becomes stronger than their ideology. So I, don't, I think it would be very hard to do that. Well, not to say Debbie Downer. No, I, I, I guess part of why I think about this is because uh, when I went to see Shama Sawant, um, recently in Oakland, she talked about being principled and she talked about that the people that you're working with as an elected official, if they are not on the side of the workers, then they're not your colleague you, because who you need to be working for is the workers. Now, that's, of course, Shama Swant's position on that. Right. But the point about it is being principled, that that we're sending people to Congress and we just kind of accept that the that the office will kind of pull them away from being like a regular person and and whether it's i don't know if it's a possible thing to do but you couldn't do it by yourself i mean Kirsten Cinema's made some problematic things but that it wasn't because she's no longer a democrat right right and and people who are in office that leave the party but with a plan, like we are leaving the Democratic Party, but we have a plan. It's still going to take a while to get anything accomplished, but at least it would start a ball rolling, I I think is kind of my position. Yeah. Well, let us know next time you call in how to do that. Oh, you know what? I think there's a couple of ways you could do it. One way would be is if RFK, who seems to have a lot of people support on left and right, a non-traditional kind of in a way that some other candidates that are outside the establishment do that, that he could champion a, a, a group like that. And that you could, you could get it from the outside too. It, it, there's, there are a few different ways in, and I'm curious, I hope, I hope this idea 
maybe some of the other people who are here on the call in will have some good suggestions for that. But I, I appreciate you for for letting me ask the question. Aaron, do you have any thoughts on that? I know you're sure. Canadian, so. I am uh, very pro uh, independent outsider candidates. So, yeah, um, I agree. Anything should be done to put them on the debate stage and to uh, raise their voices because um, the current attitude is, you know, like Simone Sanders laid it out. She's like, forget it. There's not going to be a primary. There's not going to be a debate. And um, so I think anything that can be done to elevate their voices is a, is a great idea, of course. Thanks, you guys. By the way, yeah. and by the way, um, I, I'm really impressed with what I've heard RFK Jr. say about the proxy war in Ukraine. He's um, He's made the connection between how, you know, deprivation at home fuels wars abroad. He's talked about all the all the factors behind the war that get buried here in the U.S. about NATO expansion and the Minsk Accords. And so anyway, he seems very, very informed on that topic. And I'd love to see him um, be able to challenge Biden on it because it would be a real contrast. And uh, it would be the first time in a long time there's been a, a debate like that until the, the, the Democratic Party. So I I hope that happens. Thanks. I do appreciate his foreign policy takes, but I am a little concerned that he says that we should close the borders and before and then fix fix immigration policy before we do anything else. Right. About yeah. about yeah. what's happening at the border. So, you know, everybody's going to have a problematic take. Sure. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> but thank you, Aaron. I appreciate your input on that. Thank you. you. Thanks for calling. You too. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. Use Floody at Substack.com, and we'll see you next time. Bye.